All right, part 38. Part 38 in our study of Law and Gospel. For those who missed the last hour, you missed a whole bunch. I don't have time to go through it all. But we'll do just a, a kind of a quick review. All right, everybody ready? Here we go. All right. We are in thesis number six. We're not going to go back and review thesis five, but we're in thesis number six. And thesis number six is, and I'll just read it, and then I'll just kind of try to give a simple explanation. Um, in the second place, the Word of God is not rightly divided when the law is not preached in its full sternness and the gospel not in its full sweetness. When, on the contrary, gospel elements are mingled with the law and law elements with the gospel. Simply put, this is number six is condemning when we take the law and we reduce the sternness of it and then we end up destroying the sweetness of the gospel. And we spent an hour in the last hour talking about how we destroy the sternness of the law. The best example I can give you is you go to the Sermon on the Mount, you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you've got these very powerful sections in the Sermon on the Mount that would, that would tell you, wait a minute, how, how am I supposed to do this? I'm supposed to love my enemy. I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. I'm supposed to resist not evil. And as soon as we start talking about that, someone will say, well, Jesus couldn't mean in this situation, and he couldn't mean in this situation, and he didn't mean that, and he didn't mean that, and he didn't mean that. Until we're done, we've done what? We've taken the law and reduced its sternness to its something that we think we can keep. But we're not supposed to reduce its sternness. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, what should be the conclusion when you get to chapter 7? I have not, I cannot, nor will I ever have the ability to obey this sermon. Even though it's preached that we can. We can't. So in every section, we're like, well, it can't mean that, 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 it doesn't mean that, it doesn't apply here. And so when we're done, it's, it's left. That destroys the sternness of the law. The law is there to show you what? That we can not keep it. Does everybody have that down? We cannot keep it. Every church preaches that somehow we can. We have some ability. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We cannot. You're lying to yourself. Because what's required for you to obey any of the laws in Scripture? Personal. Does everybody remember the rest? Personal, okay, perpetual, that's one of them. Exact, entire, right? Obedience. You don't keep it. So whenever Christians are like, well, don't we have to do this? And don't we have to do this? And don't we have to do this? Sure, yes, you have to do that. But if you think you do, you're lying. Which is, I think, a, a sin, okay, right? That's a problem. So we reduce, and how do we, so that's how we destroy the sternness of the law. How do we destroy the sweetness of the gospel? Well, the gospel is not sweet if I come to Bobby and say, hey, Bobby, you're saved by this wonderful thing called the gospel and what Jesus did for you, and he died for you, and his righteousness is given to your account. But if you don't do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, then you were never saved, then the gospel is not sweet. Right? In fact, that just turns the gospel into a 
a works-based system. It's a works-based system. And no matter how you get around it. We went through, in the last hour, we went through all of church history and looked at all the different ways the church has tried to tell us our relationship to the law. Don't have time to go through all of that, all right? So that's thesis number six. Uh, I'm not going to review everything. There you go. Now, we've looked at Galatians uh, 3, verses 11 through 12 in the last hour. So let's go back to it. Galatians 3, 11 through 12. We came up in the last hour with a whole new way to do the educational system. I asked Sarah to do it for her school. She immediately turned it into some kind of Roman Catholic mess. So she didn't like it, but it's the right way to do school. Okay, Galatians 3. If you missed it, you'll, you'll have to go back and listen to why. All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. This is very important. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Let me make it very clear. No man is justified by what? The law on the side of God. No one is justified by the law. And what does a good portion of the evangelical world attempt to do? Judge your salvation by what you do would simply mean that your justification is determined by the law, which it literally says it's not. And I don't know why anybody would argue with me about this. There is no argument. You're not justified by what? The law. And guess what? This, and, I, I, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm going to offend everyone because I don't care here, right? You know, what, you know what absolutely doesn't matter in your Christian life? Oh, I know this is... Now, some people are not going to like what I'm about to say. What anybody thinks... Because my justification is not based on what Bobby thinks about me. It's not based on what anybody else thinks about me. My justification is determined by what God thinks. And what God thinks is determined by what Christ did, not what I do. So people can argue and say, no, 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 no. You can't be safe if you don't do this. You can't be safe. Look, you argue also. You can call me and tell me that I'm an antinomian. You can make every accusation in the world. I don't care what you think. Who is the one who justifies? We, We did this on Wednesday night in our study in Romans 8. God is the one who justifies, not you. You can, deter, you can say all day, you're not saved because you did this and you do this. And you, come on, throw it at me. Make all the accusations you want. It doesn't mean anything. Because God is the one who justifies. How am I justified? It's in the sight of God. Isn't that the only thing that matters? No, I'm not. I, I know that that can lead to a kind of a rebellious spirit. I'm not trying to shoot for a rebellious spirit. But in some ra- a roundabout way, you cannot be bound by what other people think in regards to your Christian life. They can offer criticism. They can offer constructive help. They can offer hopefully godly rebuke. But guess what they cannot determine? Your salvation. And listen, you can't determine anyone else's salvation. Always said, I can't determine your salvation. It's not my it's not my job. My job is to say, how how is a person saved? By faith in Christ Jesus, based off his finished work. There you go. He said, Well, because everybody immediately is Christians are like 
I'll use a popular term in our culture. Christians are like Karens, right? They want to go around making a determination about what everyone else does and get involved in everyone else's business, right? Well, did you hear what so-and-so did? There's just no way they can be. Just stop talking. It's none of your business, right? You can't determine that. What determines their salvation? And, and, and Christians will make the argument, well, we need to know so we know how to pray for them. Or we, oh, you don't even care. You just want to talk about them. All right, just stop. Okay? If you care, you don't need to tell anybody else because typically when they're talking, they're not talking to the person. They're talking to someone else about someone else. Just stop. If you're really that worried about their salvation, pray for them and talk to them. Don't talk to me or anybody else. Right? That, that, this is going to make me really popular, isn't it? But it's just, it's the case. Who, how are we not, we are justified in the sight of God. That is such an important phrase. It's the sight of God that matters. And what, what matters before God is I am covered in a perfect righteousness, and that comes from Christ by faith, all right? So let's read Galatians 3, 11. I know I kind of got sidetracked there, but that is an important concept, all right? Here we go. Galatians 3, 11, but that no man is justified by the law on the side of God, it is evident. What makes it evident that we are not justified in the sight of God by keeping the law? Because the next phrase, which is the entire Protestant Reformation, hangs on it. The just shall live by faith, which is also re- recorded in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The entire Protestant Reformation. And what does it mean that just shall live by faith? What does it mean by the just shall live by faith? That the entire Christian life, from the beginning to the end, is a life lived by faith. And what does it mean by that? Because what is revealed by faith? What is revealed by faith? Okay, this this is like... This is like the Protestant Reformation. Luther, I'm so sorry. Okay. Luther is turning over in his grave. Okay. Romans 1.17. Everyone look at it. Romans 1.17. Luther's just shaking his head, going, I don't know what happened. Everything was, it was just a nice, calm day in Germany, and then everything went, went to garbage. The righteousness of God is revealed by faith. So guess what? Why do you live by faith? Because every day you live by faith, and guess what is revealed every day? God's righteousness. How is it revealed? It's given to you by faith. So, and that has to be something that you have to live by. Why? Why do you have to live by it? What do you do every day? Ah, so what do you need? Righteousness. How do you get that righteousness? By faith. So you have to live in it. Yes? You have to live in it. I'll go back to my school example, right? You walk into school, what, when does school start? I don't remember. First, what's first school day? No, like August, is it August? Okay, the end of August, right? Okay, end of August you start, right? And it ends when? End of May, right? That's a long time, right? Okay, now, if you enter school in August, and you're like, okay, math class, all right. All right, okay. All right, man, I got to take that math test. And if we go with my system on how it should work, right? How should it work? 
should not be based on what I do. It should be based on what someone else does who gets perfect grades, right? And their perfect grades should be imputed to me, right? That's awesome, right? So every math test, I get an A, right? I'm on the honor roll, right? I'm on the honor roll. Now, the rest of the kids are going to be like, wait, how is he on the honor roll? He's trash. I'm like, hey, don't you judge me? I'm covered in the perfect math score of someone. Yes? Don't know who she is, but someone, right? I'm, I'm, I'm the A student, right? Okay, now, I need that imputed math score, not just in August, right? I need it when? All year long. And every day I can walk out like, woohoo, look at me! I'm the best math student in history! Right? You see? This should work. Okay, see, there you go. You get my philosophy scores, I get someone's math scores, right? See, this works. We're all A students! Isn't this great? You just show them your imputed score. <laughs> okay? <laughs> right, you're working at NASA, and things start falling out of the sky, and people start dying, and then you'll be like, I told you this system doesn't work, but it works great in theology. Okay? But I need that score what? Not just once. Okay? Sometimes this is the way Christians think of it. Okay, you got saved by faith. Now I've got to demonstrate that I'm saved by what I do, what I do, what I do. And so no longer you're living by faith, you're living by obedience. See what happens? Well, that, how good would that work for me in math? Man, you started off so good. The first three days you had A's. Now you've... you've I'm done. You proved that you were never good at math. Correct? All right. Well, guess what would happen if we didn't live by faith? We would prove we're trash. Right? Because our, tra- our, our garbage would be seen every single day. Yes? All right? You see, you see, I'm trying to... I know that's not the best illustration, but I'm trying to use it to demonstrate the point. We can all understand that, right? Because everyone in here has some subject that you were garbage at. All right, some of you may have not have a problem, but most of you have at least one. Right? Some of you may have had many. Correct? So we understand this. So then look at the verse. 3.11... But but that no man is justified by the law and the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So either, how are you going to live? By faith or by obedience? If you live by obedience, go back to the school. If we're going to do school the way it works, I have to live by what? My own score and my own ability to pass math, which is a travesty and horrible, and who came up with that idea? Right? That's evil. It doesn't work. Because I continue to find out that I can, I should not be a math major, right? That's how I ended up in theology. What does it require? Math, theology. I'm there. Okay, I don't know even know what it is, but I'm do- that's it. Theology, right? Philosophy. I got it. History. I got it. 
Math. Who created it? Why does it exist? Why? Who said one plus one is two? Who came up? Like, why? Why can't it be three? And you say, well, it can't be three. According to whom? Like, who came up with that rule? Say, that's the way I'm thinking about math. I don't care about the numbers. I'm thinking, like, how does, who said that's the formula? Well, this is the formula you lose. According to, who is the God of math? Right? Who is the infallible giver of math knowledge? I mean, like, where did it come from? See, I'm thinking of it philosophically, right? That's why I didn't do good at math. I'm like, wait, well, if you do this and you do this, then X is this. Who said X is it? Well, who came up with this idea? And why is there letters and numbers? I don't get it. It makes no sense. Right? See, I'm looking at it philosophically. So, see, I didn't understand it. So I needed an, imp- I needed an imputed grade to last all year. If I try to do it by, if I live, in a sense, in this system, then I have to perform enough to pass each semester, to pass the year, so that I can advance to the next grade, right? Is that how it works? Well, if you're going to do that theologically in this system, if you're going to live by the law, then what do you have to do? You have to perform every semester to pass every year so that when you stand before God, your grade is good enough. Well, guess what you're going to find out? Your grade would never be good enough. So we understand that? So here's, I want to make sure we have this. What does not make you righteous? The law. What does not justify you? The law. How are we justified? By faith, because what happens when we place our faith in Christ? Righteousness is given to, I get the perfect grade. Does that make sense? All right, go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. I'm a little nervous about this one, but that's okay. Romans chapter 4. We'll see how this one goes. See what other thing I can come up with. All right, Romans chapter 4. All right, let's go to verse, we'll go to verse 13 for some kind of context. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. Everybody there? For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So how did this whole promise show up? By faith, not by by works or by righteousness of the law. So far, so good. Verse 14, For if they which were of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. In other words, if this was done by law, then faith is irrelevant, right? Why do you need faith? It would be based off obedience, correct? All right, next verse. Because the law worketh wrath. The law worketh wrath. Why does the law work wrath? Because you can't keep it. Why does math work wrath? Because I can't do it. Does that make sense? Okay, everybody, everybody got that? Okay, good. Next. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. What is meant by that? 
if, if Sarah, tomorrow at school, announces, there's no more grades. There's no more right answers or wrong answers. That sounds like a good school right there, right? I'm liking that school right there. That, that's, that's the school I'm going to. What happens? Okay, there's no what? There's no transgression. There's no failure. Can anybody fail in a school like that? No, you can't fail because there's no wrong or right. So if there's no law, there's no transgression. There's no transgression. So far, so good? Now, I know that if you're, if you're a philosophy student, what question should you ask right there? If you're a good philosophy student, come on. Even if you're a good Bible student, what question should you have right here? I have the question. See? Y'all can make fun of me about my math. I make fun of you all the time because y'all don't get questions like this. This is simple. Come on, what question should you ask? It's the first time I ever read that. I'm like, well, this makes absolutely no sense. Well, if where there's no law, there's no transgression, then why did he give us a law? Because the minute he gave us a law, there's all transgression. That makes no sense. What would be a, a good theological answer for that? What would be a good theological answer for this? Come on. Come on. Why did God give us a law? Well, okay, but by doing that, he, there's transgression. Wouldn't it be better not to give us a law? Oh, come on, think this through. Come on, thinking caps on. Thinking caps on. Why would he give us a law that's going to bring transgression and wrath? Why would he do it? Okay. Come on, come on, come on. All right, let me help you out, all right? Let's go basic Christianity 101, right? Let's start with the attributes of God. This is pretty simple, right? This is theology proper, right? The attributes of God, yes, okay? And when we talk about the attributes, there are the communicable and the Non-communicable attributes, right? You should be able to classify all of them, right? Okay, yeah. All right, all right. Everybody's like, yeah, I don't have any clue what you're talking about. All right, here we go. What is one of the key attributes of God? Oh, holiness. And why would we say that's a key attribute? Because it's almost always thrice repeated. And if it's thrice repeated, that's pretty important, right? Holy, holy, holy. And if God is holy, then you could argue, I'm not saying it works perfectly philosophically, that the law is simply an extension of his attribute. So he has no choice but to give law because he is by nature holy. But he created us, well, with the ability to clearly, with especially Adam and Eve, with the ability to disobey, and then everyone from that point is born a sinner, therefore we're born in automatic opposition to his character. Right? Does that make sense? Okay. So I wish, I mean, that doesn't fit it perfectly, but it just, if you have a holy God, you can almost guess what's going to flow from the holy God. A standard. 
Allah. So it's kind of the natural extension of his attribute or his character, right? So far, so good. Does that make sense? All right, yeah, 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 I don't seem too convinced that that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense, all right? Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed. Now, that's interesting. What does that seem to be saying in verse 16? I know we did, I stopped in the middle of it, but that's okay. What does that seem to be saying in verse 16? What does it seem? The very first part of it. Thinking caps on. I want to make sure in this church you understand that my theology scores are not imputed to your account. Okay? Okay, no. We, we threw that system out when it comes now. Okay? <laughs> it only works in math for me. Okay? It doesn't work for you. Okay? All right, what, do you th- what do you think it's saying? Come on, just read it. Live in it. Think about it. Remember, we covered this in great detail. I'll read it from a different translation and see if this helps you. Right? Well, Stephen already has a different translation, so he should already know the answer. Right? Okay. Romans chapter 4, we're verse 16, right? All right. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace to guarantee it to all the descendants. What does that mean? Oh, come on. Okay, let me help you out. If it's not by faith, what's the guarantee going to be? No one's going to get it! No one's going to get it! Not the the current generation, not the next generation, not the next generation, not the next generation, because the next generation is never going to have the ability to keep the law. So because it's by faith, it is by grace, therefore the promised seed will happen because it is by faith. Listen, I cannot stress to you why it is so critical and so important theologically. In fact, I'm more convinced of this every day, why we cannot ever believe or teach that God threw away Israel and replaced it with the church. Because the minute we say that, what have we just done? We negated his promise, therefore the promise wasn't by what? Faith! Wasn't by grace! Look, I'm very reformed in in so much of my theology, but I cannot accept that anymore because to me it destroys reformed theology. Because God elected Israel, made promises to Israel, and then booted them out for their disobedience and then said, guess what? You get it. Well, wait a minute, what about them? Well, it wasn't by grace. So then you're going to argue that the Old Testament, now, you, now you're really going hardcore dispensational. Well, well, it never says that, right? But what? Right, I mean, it just, it just leads to a million prob- problems. But to me, it destroys the entire doctrine of election. Right? I mean, it would destroy it completely. So let's read that again. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, but not that only which is of the law, but that also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. That's an important concept, yes? 
It's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. It's by faith. This is how the book describes this. Faith is demanded of us, not in order that there might be at least some little work that we are to do, as otherwise there would be no difference between those who go to hell and those who go to heaven. No, righteousness is of faith in order that it might be of grace. Now, I'm going to read this paragraph like 50 times because I want you to hear what they just said. I just read that quickly. You probably didn't even register. I'm going to read this slowly, okay? Because we're about to now destroy the entire evangelical world in about three seconds, okay? Everybody ready? Here we go. Faith is demanded of us. Not in order that there might be at least some little work that we are to do. Faith is not demanded so that now you have some little work you can do. Now, why would some people say that there's some little work we can do? Listen to the next part. As otherwise, there would be no difference between those who go to hell and those who go to heaven. That is the entire Christian world. You're saved by faith, but that faith, it calls for what? You to do something. And why do we have to do something? Because we've got to prove that there's a difference between us, those who are lost. And as long as Christians have been trying to prove that there's a difference between us and them, what do we continue to prove in 2,000 years of church history? No different. I mean, you can just pull up the Roy's report. That website's depressing as garbage. Because it constantly she reports, all she does is report what's going on inside the church. And it's just, every day, it's, hor- it's like horrible crimes and sexual abuse and lawsuits and fighting and, and this person's fighting. And it's just, I mean, you read that site just every day, you're like, what is wrong with the church? What is wrong? And what drives me crazy is the comments under it. Because the comments are always like, ah, nobody's really saved. Nobody, this person's not saved. And it's always going to, None of these people who are reported in these stories are saved, but of course the person who's responding in the comments in an anonymous way, of course they are saved because we don't know all the dirt in their life. So what do we know about saved and unsaved people? We all commit sin. Do we commit the same sins? No, we may commit different sins, right? We've all committed different sins, yes? But we all commit sin. We all commit sin. So, in other words, faith is not demanded so now that you can have some little work to try to show you the difference between you and the person going to hell. It doesn't work that way. What's the difference between me and the person going to hell? An imputed righteousness. An imputed righteousness. Right? An imputed righteousness. If we went back to our school situation, what would be the difference between me, right, and the kids sitting next to me? They got, their grade average is like 10, and I have 100. What would be the difference? Not in our ability. The difference would be that I have an imputed math score, and they have the real math score. Right? That, say it. That's not fair. Exactly. We don't think it's fair. That's why we don't like this system. And remember, that's the whole problem with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We talked about this in the last hour, right? According to them, they were like, we keep it. We do the work. We do the work. 
I've got the best math score. And that tax collector, that publican, that harlot, they get into heaven? No way. No way. We do the good stuff. And when Christians argue with me about this, it blows my mind because I'm like, you don't hear yourself? You sound just like the Pharisee. Because you're like, no, 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 no. Don't, you have to do something to prove you're safe. You can't tell me that you don't have, you've got to do something. Oh, you sound just like the Pharisee. And guess what? The Pharisees always think that they do enough. And it's amazing when Jesus gave an example about judgment, who did he condemn? The people who said, Lord, Lord, we preach in your name. We do miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. What just happened? He should, no, no, no. We can't be the ones going to hell. It's got to be that harlot. It's got to be that publican. It's got to be that tax collector. It's got to be, but we have turned the story around going, no, no, no. See, here's what happened. The publicans We're committing sin, but those other people, they used to commit sin, but they stopped committing sin. So they actually were proving that they were more right. The text never says that they proved that they were more righteous than the others. What was the difference between them? Faith. And you just said it. Imputed righteousness. And imputed righteousness. We've got to get this down. This is just like, just so important. All right, now Listen. No, righteousness is of faith in order that it might be of grace. Both statements are identical. When I say a person becomes righteous in the sight of God by faith, I mean to say he becomes righteous by grace. Does everybody understand that? How do we become righteous? By faith and by grace. That's how we become righteous. That's how we become righteous. That's how we become righteous. If you have placed your faith in Christ, then what can be said of you? Righteous. Perfect. Holy. And that all, I, that's good for me, because without that, guess what? I would be a sinner going to hell. Now, I'm still a sinner in practice, but in my position. And perfect. Does that understand? Does, okay, hopefully everybody understands that. All right? Nothing. Now, listen. Uh, God's uh, making righteousness a gift to him. God makes righteousness a gift. And that gift comes to us by faith. And even that faith is given to us. That's so, you've got to understand. Even faith is given to us. God says you have to believe, but faith itself is a gift given to me. Because in in and of myself, I wouldn't believe. Right? I wouldn't believe. So even the faith is a gift. Now listen, this is very... Now, this is what somebody, somebody, everyone's going to lose their mind right here. Okay, everybody ready? Take a deep breath. If you have blood pressure medication, go ahead and take it. Okay, everybody ready? Because a lot of you are going to disagree with this, and that's okay. You can disagree. That's all right. I don't, at this point, I don't care anymore who disagrees with me. Okay, I just, I don't even care anymore. I've given up trying. Okay, here we go. You ready? Nothing is demanded of the person. He is only told, stretch out your hand and you have it. 
Now, when we say nothing is demanded, people immediately get nervous, right? Immediately, what will people say? Oh, you got to do something. No, 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 no. You can't tell me that Bobby can be saved and not do something. Bobby's got to do it. He's got to show it. He's got to prove it. He's got to demonstrate it. Now, guess who gets to be the ones who determine how much Bobby has to do? They get to determine it. Look, I, I played this game, right? I played this game. I, again, we, I can pull up all the books. Again, everyone should read the gospel according to Jesus just because it, it really is the modern example of what we're talking about here, right? MacArthur was like, yes, Bobby, you're saved by faith, but you got to do this, 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 and if you don't, you are never saved. And guess who gets to determine it? MacArthur. And then the person buys the book. Oh, now I know how it works. So then you get to go around and say who is and who isn't saved. And how are you just judging that salvation? You're judging imputed righteousness by the, pre- the presence of a practical righteousness. And you can't do that. For example, let's go back to my school illustration, right? Okay. If my math score is imputed, I got a 4.0, got an A. Great. Now, how could you judge that? How could you judge my grade? Because if you give me a math test, no need to be harsh, no need to be so insensitive. Okay. Okay. But the point is, they would go. You're the dumbest math student in the history of the school. How are you in the honor roll? It's imputed. So how can you test it? Well, you could. Let's say she is my math savior, right? Who would they have to test? Her. Hopefully, hopefully I got the right one. Okay. Hopefully. Did I pick the right one? Oh, I did. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Okay. Hopefully I got the right one. They test her. And then they come back and like, you're a genius. I knew it. I knew it the whole time. I knew it the whole time. So in this case, if Bobby comes to me and is like, hey, 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 I don't, I don't think you're saved. You're trash. You're garbage. I'm like, well, go test it. Go test it. Go test it. Who does he have to go test? <laughs> no, no, hopefully. I don't want him testing. No, no, no. Don't test anybody around me. I know. For this subject, he has to go test Jesus. And what can Jesus say? Perfect. And so then Bobby would have to come back and say, eh, you're good to go. Well, I told you, Bobby, I was good to go. I didn't need you to tell me that, but thank you. Right? That's not the whole point? Who justifies? God. Who can charge anything to God's elect? No one. Now, that that makes some of you nervous. Like, no, 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 but I got to show something. I got to prove something. How do you prove an imputed righteousness? Again, I just gave you a perfect example. If her math score is imputed to me, the minute you test me, 
as Stephen so harshly put it, okay, I'm going to fail. And you're going to be like, you, 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 you're, you don't make it. Well, then what's the point of her imputed score? The, the, the whole beauty of her imputed score is what? I can walk around and look at the rest of you. Look, what's wrong with you people? I'm the best math student in this school. Okay, no, you're not supposed to get arrogant about it, but sometimes that's what we do, right? No, I, the whole point is, if, he's, if he tests me, then it's no longer based off what? Her score, it becomes based off my score. If you judge my salvation based off what I do, it's no longer based off an imputed righteousness, it's based off what I do. Which destroys what? The sweetness of the gospel. Does, does, that, does that illustration work? I think it works perfectly. Because I, we can all relate to that, right? So I want to make sure you understand. If my, if my school score is based off an imputed score, you can't give me a test. Because it will never live up to that imputed score. Especially, like for me, if it was in the subject of math. It's not. And I don't want an imputed score from someone who's as bad as math as, as I am, right? Right? I don't want her score. Right? Her, and she doesn't want my score. They'd be looking at us like, what is wrong with you two? Okay? But I want her score. Why? Hers is worse than yours. And, and we, we, we would be in trouble. We want the right score, right? But if, if it's based off an imputed score, you cannot test it. Does everyone understand that? You cannot test it. Which is the whole beauty of it, yes? I, I, that, that's got to make sense. I hope that makes sense. All right? S- suppose a person had never heard a word concerning faith on being told the gospel. Uh, would, re, re, would rejoice, accept it, put his confidence in it, draw comfort from it, that person would have the true, genuine faith, although he may not have heard a word concerning faith. All right, now, they get into a whole different, I'm not going to follow that argument here. All right, now, the next part, see, maybe we can get one more. Maybe we can get one more. No gospel element, I know I, I, I just went blue right past that last sentence, that's okay, I don't want to track track that down for now because I, we, I think we've got a good job of what we've done so far. All right, here we go. No gospel element then must be mingled with the law. Anyone expounding the law shamefully perverts it by injecting into it grace. All right? When I preach the law, I cannot insert into it grace because that perverts it. The law has to be what? Firm. It has to be a standard. There is no negotiating. There's no grading on a curve. That's how come you take the Sermon on the Mount. I don't care if it's talking about loving your enemy, turning the other cheek, not hating people, not looking at a woman with lust, about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I don't care what it is. You do not water it down and say, well, well, here's an exception. Here's an e-. There's no exceptions. It's God's standard. And what do we all say? Woe is me. I am undone. I am a sinner. We don't inject grace there. Grace is, comes when? After we feel the full weight of the law. Right? Does that make sense? 
Of the grace, loving kindness, and patience of God who forgives sin, uh, we should not be placed into the middle of the law. A preacher must proclaim the law in such a manner that there remains in it nothing pleasant to lost and condemned sinners. Every sweet ingredient injected into the law is poison. It renders this heavenly medicine ineffective. If I give you the medicine before you know, look, how will I, if, go back to the school illustration, right? They give the test. Oh, man, okay. This is bad. I bombed. This thing is horrible, horrible, right? And you have to do that waiting because the math teachers are evil, right? So they want you to wait like till the next day or whatever, like 16 years. Why don't they just give you the grade immediately, right? Okay, but whatever. So then you go home thinking it's over. I'm done. Okay, I'm going to fail. I'm going to work at McDonald's the rest of my life. Whatever, whatever horrible dream you have about how things are going to go, right? It's over, right? And then finally you walk in there and then she, you know, at least they used to because they had no, they didn't care if you were embarrassed right okay uh see scoring in 10 it's trevor come on up and get your paper okay well maybe they weren't that bad but they definitely worried if anybody else knew right okay Uh, and and, uh, it's it's never good right when everyone hears your score and you're like i got a 10 oh man and you're turning it upside down you know you don't want no one to see oh it's good it's good i'm good I got a 10. Now, at that point, the teacher doesn't say, well, you know. No, no, no. You get a 10. You're done. No comfort. Teacher doesn't even care, especially math teachers. They definitely don't care, right? Because anyone who teaches math has got something wrong up here, right? Okay? Clearly, they don't care. And you're there devastated and destroyed thinking, what's going to happen? 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 But wouldn't it be great if she was so kind and gracious? Takes her a hundred and walks over there and says, this is yours. Yes! I have you! Right? All of a sudden then it's the greatest thing in the world. Yes? Why? Do I, I have an alien grade, an alien righteousness. And guess what? That's exactly how we wish, should respond to what Christ has given to us. That's where genuine love comes from. Because he has done something. Did I deserve it? Did I earn it? Can I keep it? Only because it's given to me. I can't keep it by what I do, right? Just like that math score. Am I going to keep that 100 if, I, if next week I have to perform? No! Now, I know what you're saying. Well, you should catch on. You should figure it out. You should do it. Well, it doesn't work that way, at least not in math, right? Does that make sense? So, as a Christian, we should be overwhelmed by that. So, guess what? The law, I don't don't want to water down the law because I want you to feel how horrible that is. I want you to feel crushed. I want you to feel helpless. I want you to feel embarrassed. I want you to feel shame. And then when there's nothing left, then what is given? The gospel. And then it becomes extremely, extremely what? That's the greatest feeling in the world. That's the greatest feeling. That's... That's the most amazing thing ever. That's the greatest thing in the world is to hear that. That, no, you're, you're good to go. You're good to go. You're good to go. You're good to go. Right? That's a great thing. 
I'll, one more illustration. I'll just end with this. I want to get to the scripture, but we don't have time. I'll just end with this. Give you kind of an example. All right. Basic training. They come to us. I don't even know what time it was. Like midnight, one in the morning. Some crazy thing. They're like, okay. Tomorrow, there's going to be some big inspection up here in the dorm, right? Everything has to be moved from this dorm to a different dorm. The floors have to be polished. Everything has to be moved to the different dorm. Everything, right? You've got to move everything. Well, I immediately start thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to move anything. Because if you don't know about the military, right, and basic training, all of your clothes have to be folded to some weird, ridiculous standard, right? Like some little six, your t-shirts have to be perfectly pressed, six-inch squares, everything, yeah, like, yeah, like a book, right? It's crazy, right? And it's got to be perfect, right? Well, I, I'd finally, because anytime they would come and open your drawer and it was not perfect, what happened to it, Mr. Goodlett? They threw it across the room. They threw it across the room. They're like, you are a piece of... And then I can't repeat any of the other words, okay? They threw it everywhere, right? And it's... Tra- it's traumatic, right? Because you spend like all night with an iron trying to figure out how do I get this right? Because I mean and they would bring a ruler bring a ruler to measure your t-shirt, to measure your underwear, your socks it had to be per. it was the most insane thing, I'm like what is wrong with these people, right? They were like the standard was perfection so I had everything in that drawer I mean it was perfect everything was folded and I'm like I'm not ever touching it I'm just going to wear the same clothes for six weeks okay I don't care Mr. Goodlett knows you're like when is the last time you changed clothes never okay because I'm never never touching this right you had it perfect you did whatever you had to do to get by right you just walked into the shower with your clothes on because you were never going to ever move that drawer ever so everyone else is like we got to get the floor polished and I'm sitting there looking at my drawer going can't move this. I will never get this folded again perfectly, ever. I don't even know how it happened in the first place. I don't even know. But it's past the last couple, right? So everyone's just throwing their stuff in their bags and I'm like, ah, no! So I decided, I grabbed my drawer. I'm like, I'm going to carry it to the other door. Because it's got to be the same locker, right? Maybe a slightly different color, which it was, but I'm like, I don't care if it fits. So I'm just walking along, carrying my drawer, right? And then they're like, they come yelling at me, what are you doing? Right? I'm like, I'm, I'm carrying my drawer, right? Okay. So they, they just yell at me. They're not, right? So I finally, I get it. I put it in there. Okay. What, we, we get everything ready. They come by to inspect, right? Now the only, all the drawers match except mine, Right? And I'm thinking, this is it. I'm going to, because I was like, I was like, can I paint it? What can I do? Like, I'm going to die. But I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to just risk it. Right? I'm just going to risk it. Right? Because I, folding this is not going to happen again, ever again. I don't even know how it happened in the first place. Right? I'm never, this is over. So they come through. Right? Other people, they're throwing other people's clothes. This is garbage. This is trash. Redo it. Redo it. I'm like, I'm going to die. 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 I'm like, I just know everything is perfect in the drawer. Right? They come. They look. Why is it a different color? Well, I, I moved it. You did what? Right? And they start yelling at me. I moved it. Good job. Way to think. 
and then moves on and throws. And so I'm the only one whose clothes did not get thrown everywhere. So in a roundabout way, that was grace, right? That was grace because he could have destroyed me. Now, he was thinking more like I was thinking outside the box and all the military little cliches right? that I adapted and overcame. And I was just like, I just can't fold clothes. Okay, that's all I know. Okay, that's all I know. I can't fold clothes. All right. So, but they, I was given a pass. Not because I deserved it. Not because I even earned it. But in a sense, that was purely by grace because he could have said, no, 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 no. All the things, and, I, and that whole time I was there, my drawer never matched anybody else's. And I just told everyone, because I'm smarter than the rest of you, okay? So I didn't handle it the most godly way. But the point is, it's a great example, right? Because when God, in a sense, opens our drawer, it's not our folding. It's perfect because it is Christ work. He doesn't look and go, wait, 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 wait. That got moved here. In fact, my drawer was an alien drawer. It was foreign. It didn't look the same, right? It looked, it stood out that there's something wrong with it. And guess what? When you're saved, it still stands out that there's something wrong with it. But why am I not judged? Because everyone looking at me were like, look, don't, don't you see his drawer is not the right color? Don't you see? He needs to be condemned. And they say, because it is imputed. It was given to me by Christ. That is the beauty of it. We cannot mix it. Did, and then since that, that, that the drill instructor, the TI, did not change the standard, he just allowed my being moved as being accepted. God doesn't change a standard. What pa- why, why do I pass? Because of Christ and because God accepts that righteousness on my behalf. All right, we'll pray. Lord God, we come before you this afternoon. Help us understand the difference between law and gospel. And let us be able to say that we love your son for his imputed righteousness, because in our our own righteousness, we would be condemned. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,